0: Hello and welcome to night number 18 of 31 Nights of Frights, year 3, the franchise. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night number 18 takes us back to what was supposed to be the final entry in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I'll actually get into that a little bit later in the episode. I think we should actually go ahead and get this one kicked off. Starring Robert England, Lisa Zane and Yapet Kodo. This is the 1991 Rachel Talalay directed Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. With this entry in the Nightmare on Elm Street series, it looks like Freddy Krueger has fulfilled his goal of killing all of the children in Springwood. This leaves Springwood as a virtual ghost town, and it looks like everybody else who was there in Springwood has moved away. Some of the residents who actually had children there, I guess, have stayed. And the town is just simply dying off. So it has almost like an apocalyptic type of feel to it. And it's interesting that they went this route because it almost reminds me of the film Phantasm II in a way. With the way the towns were deserted because the tall man annihilated them. This is a similar idea where Freddy Krueger simply killed the entire town of Springwood in his revenge. Outside of Springwood, there is a mental institution and it has a new patient, a guy who is troubled by nightmares of Freddy Krueger. It doesn't exactly gel with the idea of the story that it seems like if you move out of Springwood, then Freddy's not going to come after you however this John Doe is haunted by these Freddy nightmares and it leads him almost in a portal to where he needs to go and this is actually a pretty decent plot device because it has some unusual twists and turns along the way such as Freddy Krueger's lineage this one also provides some more backstory to Freddy Krueger himself which i would say is definitely a welcome addition because Freddy Krueger himself is an interesting character. The town's vigilante, Justice, is definitely paid back to them. While they were doing something good in ridding a horrible murderer from the world, they also unleashed something that they could never truly escape from. This is definitely one of the jokiest, most tongue-in-cheek of all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And I kind of appreciate that because it got a little bogged down with the whole Dream Warriors story with the character of Alice and whatnot from the previous entries. I'm surprised that they didn't try to link it more to the other films, but that did kind of complete a little bit of a trilogy of films within the Nightmare on Elm Street series. So that story was done. This one here was just meant as a story capper. This was it. This was the final one. Of course, this was not the final one. We did have Freddy come back in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and also he was in Freddy vs. Jason. Both of those films did have Robert Englund back as Freddy, sort of, in New Nightmare, and full-on Freddy Krueger in Freddy vs. Jason. Those are more or less side stories, so this really is it as far as the original series. I do have a bit of a soft spot for this one because this was the first time I ever saw a 3D film in a theater. My mom actually did not take me to school one day, instead she decided to take me to go see Freddy's Dead because she knew that I really wanted to see it. She was getting off of work and instead of doing that we simply went to the movies and I have a great memory on this one. So with that I am a little bit soft on this film. And I truly feel like the film's harshest critics are kind of missing the point with this one. They kind of wanted to have an all-out fun Freddy film, and I think in a lot of ways they succeeded. The films themselves were teetering dangerously close to parody as it was, and, well, this one went full-on comedic. But while it went that comedic route, it has the advantage of being a little bit of a darker story, So, I appreciate the mix here. The good thing is, this one did not break tradition. It still opens with a dream sequence, and I think the dream sequence is used to great effect. I think it's actually a lot of fun, even with its Wizard of Oz reference. We have Freddy as the Wicked Witch. I heard some people criticize this part, but I think it's a lot of fun. It fits the nature of Freddy Krueger himself, that he can be anyone and anything. And I just really like that Wizard of Oz nod there at the beginning. The opening of A Dream Within a Dream was a definite cool idea that they had. I think, personally, I think it's very effective as far as trying to set the tone of the film. That this is going to be a little bit of a slightly trippier movie than the others. I feel it just really preps us for the type of movie that we're going to receive with this one. The movie itself has a definite off-kilter feel as far as the various residents still in Springwood. We actually get a Roseanne and Tom Arnold cameo here. I honestly enjoy it because they actually drop a reference to one of my favorite series of all time, that's Twin Peaks. With one of the characters feeling like they're in Twin Peaks, it's kind of funny with the reference there. It's one of numerous 90s references, even though this is actually supposed to take place, I believe, 10 years later than the last entry. So we're looking at a 1999 year 2000, I believe. So as much as it's trying to be forward thinking, it's still stuck in the 90s, which in my opinion is a great thing. I actually still have fond memories of the 90s, just like I have fond memories of the 80s. The soundtrack itself should give it away that this is a franchise that went from the 80s through the 90s to the early 90s and we have kind of a grunge-like soundtrack to the whole thing. I myself again am perfectly fine with that. I think the Goo Goo Dolls are on the soundtrack more than any other band and it's important to keep in mind that this was the Goo Goo Dolls from the Early 90s, not the ballady Goo Goo Dolls, because they did start off as an actual rock and grunge band, and were a part of that whole music revolution of the early 90s. So I really feel like this movie captures the 90s pretty well, even though it was just in the early part of the 90s. With the way the film is actually designed, from the set designing standpoint. We really do feel like this is a deserted Springwood. It never once feels like a part of a different franchise, but it is interesting to actually see how the franchise changed from being in the 80s through the early 90s. It works to its benefit, in my opinion. I honestly would like to see more films. Obviously, I can't, but I would have liked to have seen more films from... A nightmare on Elm Street and how they would have looked in the 90s. Of course, we did get Wes Craven's new nightmare And I will be talking about that on a different night There's some very inventive kills with this one Freddy actually kills a very young Meyer. He actually kills him with a Nintendo system with Freddy proclaiming now you're playing with power. Of course, that is a former Nintendo tagline it's a pretty funny scene. I think it's done well. The other death that I really liked in this one was with Carlos, who cannot hear without his hearing aids. I would imagine he has some severe, limited hearing abilities, but the idea that he cannot hear without his hearing aid is used to great effect here. When he doesn't have his hearing aid, it shows the scene through Carlos's eyes or his ears here. And the idea that if he can't hear, you can't hear, it's definitely done well with providing us one of Freddy's more brutal kills. I know people did find the scene funny. I think this is actually one of the deaths that is not very humorous at all. There are a lot of Looney Tunes-inspired antics, or at least I would say that they are Looney Tunes-inspired. They're very tongue-in-cheek, as is most of the film. This one reminds us of the Freddy from the past films of the darker Freddy. And for a final outing of Freddy Krueger, or what was thought to be a final outing of Freddy Krueger at the time, Robert England is really hamming it up. Robert England obviously is having the time of his life. It shows through his performance. His Freddy character has been well crafted throughout these five films leading up to the sixth. He just has a near perfect performance here as Freddy Krueger. He really gave it his all. It shows on screen. I did mention about Roseanne and Tom Arnold being in this film. Of course, they were cultural icons of the late 80s, early 90s. This film also includes Johnny Depp in a nice cameo. Of course, he's not playing the same role that he was in the first A Nightmare on Elm Street, It is just nice to see him here. It's a nice little getting the gang back together type of feel, even though he's the only one that was involved with the Nightmare on Elm Street series that made a return here. In those scenes of deepening the Freddy Krueger mythology, we find out that Freddy had a daughter. You also find out that Freddy Krueger, that his mom put him up for adoption. His adopted father abused him. His father is played by Alice Cooper, so another awesome cameo that we have here in this film. Those scenes where Freddy is getting abused by his father and also where Freddy Krueger actually kills his daughter's mother, it's supposed to, I guess, make Freddy Krueger a fallen character. Like, maybe there was supposed to be some good in him at some point but he was more or less born from evil, an act of violence, and violence seemed to follow him his entire life. So, it's weird because he says that he really tried to not be a bad person, but yet it was just something that happened. I don't know if I completely 100% buy that, because I feel like he's more or less making excuses for his actions and there's no real excuse for what he did. There is definitely no question of a nurture versus nature argument here as there's elements of both. Freddy Krueger is simply a monster and that's appropriate as that's what he should be. Of course 10 minutes of this film are done in 3D. I believe it's around 10 minutes. I wish New Line Cinema would have actually proceeded to release this as a 3D version Maybe convert it so that we can watch it on 3D TVs for those of us that still own them, because I do. It just would have been nice to actually see the movie the way it was intended to be seen. We have that 3D, of course it was the horrible red and blue 3D, but when I was a kid watching it in theaters, I thought it was one of the coolest things ever. The 3D scenes do not age very well in a 2D viewing. I say that because we have knives getting thrown at the, well, slashed at the camera and stuff like that, and it just looks like a poorly directed scene, even though it's supposed to be a 3D scene. So you kind of have to keep that in mind when you watch the movie. The Twin Peaks reference that they had earlier kind of makes sense a little bit later, because when our character of Maggie goes into Freddy's brain more or less when she goes in there she puts on the 3d glasses and the psychiatrist known as Doc played by Yapet Kodo who you may know from Alien well he actually uses 3d glasses as a tool and it reminded me a lot of Dr. Jacoby from Twin Peaks I don't know whether this reference was intentional or unintentional but it definitely stands out as far as being a Twin Peaks reference. Considering they simply name-dropped Twin Peaks earlier in the film, I really don't think that this was a coincidence. I personally really like the 3D stuff. Sadly, even though I turned on my 3D setting on my TV and watched it with 3D glasses at that moment, it didn't really do much. The stuff is very cool looking. It allows the special effects guys to make some cool creations. I don't know if I'm 100% on board with the things that allowed Freddy to come back from the dead, the dream demons. It's a bit on the cheesy side, however, for the Nightmare on Elm Street series as a whole, I guess it works. I just think it's kind of funny that they're little head things swimming around. With the way they looked, it reminded me of something from Stuart Gordon's From Beyond film. If you haven't seen that I definitely recommend you check that one out, but it definitely seemed to have a little bit of a look about it as far as feeling like something from that film. The worst part of this film is that it actually does the same idea as the first movie and again I'm assuming it's an intentional moment. That's where they pull Freddy out of the dream world and into our own where he can actually be killed. The problem with that idea is that it didn't stop him before in the previous entries. So what's to stop that from actually happening now? Is it because he's actually killed by his daughter? That it's an actual blood relative? That's never explained and maybe I'm thinking about it way too much. It's just something that I noticed that doesn't entirely add up. I don't see how it would actually be the final one when they kill him off in the same manner as the first film. Overall I think this is a solid follow up. I think all of the a Nightmare on Elm Street films are solid movies and this is another solid follow up. It's one of those you can put on, you don't have to think too much and you know exactly what you're getting with it. They did try to do something a little different with this one. It doesn't quite work 100% but it is entertaining and that's all I asked for from the series. I think I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can reach me at AdamAnalyzesPodcast at gmail.com. If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at AdamAnalyzes.com. If you do have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a five star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners and continue making new episodes. Plus, I simply love those digital hugs. But with that being said, be kind and good night.